guys. Um, I run a little behind today, and uh, I was going to phone this one in, but I uh, decided, uh, you know, it occurred to me that uh, last week I was talking about one of the greatest challenges, one of two challenges that we face. You're looking at the second one right now. First challenge is that when we're asking the question, what is church? Not the building. Not the event that we go to once a week. Not the association of I belong to this church or I'm this kind of person or this is what we do. But when we're asking the real question, what is church? What is the redeemed called out people? People who have encountered God. People who are being transformed to the utmost glory. Why do we do this? And one of the great challenges that we all have is to settle. Now, settling is when we recognize something's good, we're going in the right direction, but life's too overwhelming, we're too busy, we got too many commitments, first this, then that, we'll get to it, and so we settle. It's good, but it's not enough. I mentioned last week, the two and a half tribes, they settled. God had the promised land, had security, had had blessing for them. They said, eh, this, this land's good enough. They settled, and it cost them later. The other great challenge besides settling is what every church from the beginning has ever faced. And it's what really do I want my church to be about? Because if our default setting isn't in a good way, we're going to settle. We can do at least this much. And that's great. But the enemy, the best is always the good. And, And that's what really is a challenge for the church. The other side of it is... I go to church so that I can get my needs met for my life, and I read the Bible the way I have been taught to interpret it so it agrees with me, and then my life will work the way I want it to work. Why, God, is this not working? I'm doing it all my way. What do I want church to be? And so I asked that question. You know, we all come here, I I would prefer, we all have our preferences, and that's fine. Because we're real people, and that's who we really are. We really prefer this kind of music. We really like this kind of teaching. We really enjoy this type of ministry. And that's all good. That's all part of why God has drawn us here. But this is going to be the second big enemy we face, that it's about me, and I can't see beyond me. See, because if I wanted the church to be about me, I'm thinking, well, why don't we listen to music that I, I want to listen to, and I'll dress, you know, this is, this is pretty, uh, pretty comfortable. It's going to be a short sermon because this is so hot. <sighs> I, I am dressed for Bay for Breakers under this, but uh, I'm kidding. Um, and it is a woman's robe, thank you for asking. Uh, I know it's flattering, but... If it's just about me and my comfort, this is comfortable, a little warm, but I mean, it's, this is more like summer dress here in the city, but, but it's, it's comfortable. Pretend coffee, that's, that's great. Um, I'm just out here rambling, so I can make it about what's most convenient for me. This is what I felt like doing today. Eh, you know, this week is a little busy. It's just it's too much of a pain to come up with a text and slide and presentation and that for the sermon. So I didn't do it because, you know, church really needs to be, it's, you know, I've spent my entire professional career catering to other people's needs and, and sorting out battles and how do we do this, do that, and how do we solve this, and how do we have this program for that person and that person, and this family got offended, and this person wants that. And it's this stretch Armstrong balancing act in ministry, 
But, but I want in on some of that. I mean, it's like fun. I want church to be, you know, my needs. This is what I want. My programs, my stuff. Now, again, please hear me. There is nothing wrong with wanting any of that. But again, it brings us back to the question of does it begin there? This is where we say, this is where I am, and this is where I want to engage God to get to the right place. Or does it end there, and we insist on the world warping toward us? You see, sin has its own gravity. You know, gravity, the greater the mass, the greater the warping of space around it, or or we would experience the greater attraction to something. Sin has its own gravitational field, and there's no stronger gravitational field than that which surrounds our sinful hearts. Because we don't see it. Attitudes bend, just like light bends. Um, Feelings bend. Everything bends and warps around us to where what is normal, what is right, the way it should be, we're all pushed back or where it's not such a big deal, the slider is set right where I am. And that's great if I was the only person on this planet, I would just be settling. But God loves us too much to allow either us just to fall short of the glory that he has for us. And that really is the unfortunate story of the church. But the story is not finished yet. And the other challenge of how do we all see past ourselves? Yes, we have real needs. Yes, we have real wants. Yes, we have desires. Yes, there are things that are familiar, unfamiliar, comfortable, um, not so comfortable, all of that. But this is the fundamental difference of whether a church goes forward and it's about God or whether a church goes forward and it's a, it's a social organization that's about the inside, about them. Every organization exists for themselves, and the Church of God is no exception. That, that it's about our programs for us on the inside, because that's the gravity of the human heart. That is really the way things are, are playing out. That is the way church has been done. Come to us. Now, that was the Old Testament model that, um, that was pulled, poured out. We do church as good as we can. The, those that don't know God come and see, and, and maybe they'll, they'll be along for it, and that's great. But Pentecost, Pentecost was the, the founding of, of the new church, the ultimate church, the one established in Christ. And rather than it being a local place where God shows up and draws people, God is in every one of us. God dwells within us that we could be his church, we could be his presence, we can engage him wherever we are. So that church goes is reduced then from being this thing or this event or this identity that takes place on, on, a, on a calendar, or that we could point to it and say that's what it is, to it gets a lot more messy in that the church of God is invisible. It's universal. There's the visible church, which is people that call themselves a Christian. I'm going to kill in the name of God, and I'll, I'll do what I want, and I'll attend. You can be faithful. That's great. You can still go to hell. You, you, can, you can give, and you can do all of these things. Jesus said, there's going to be people that said, Lord, we did all of this in your name. He's like, dude, was it my name? I, I never knew you. I wanted to know you. I missed you. I grieved over all the ways you were serving everything else but me. I want it in, and it wasn't there. The big difference, okay, leaving the settling from last week, the big difference whether we go ahead and it's about God or whether we continue to do what I want to do every week and play games is this. Can we separate needs from wants? I knew my parenting advice would come back to bite me. Um, There's a big difference between needs and wants, right? But they feel an awful lot alike. 
I want things to be this way. That's fine. That's good. But it isn't a need. It might be. It might not be. All of us need to be transformed more into the image of God. That's how we were built. That's how we're made. That's what feels right. That's where we feel alive. The glimpses we get, the charges, the arcs in life, be it, be it through uh, relationships, be it through creativity, be it through, through, through blessing or connection or expression or ways that we're just dialed in. These are just spurts and glimpses of the type of full, engaged life that God wants for absolutely all of us. The metaphor of the body of Christ is one that I'll be using for the next three weeks. I'm, I'm calling the sermon, and if I had actually um, put slides together, I did, but I'm choosing not to use them. Um, I'm calling it Corpus Christi, Body of Christ. This week is a theology of wholeness. Next week, a theology of unity. Third week, theology of mission. Because as we've been looking at, it's pretty simple. Love God, love others, be about his business. It's really everything else falls into place from there. Now, the U.S. Navy has an interesting um, habit, and I think I figured it out. They name their vessels after people or after places. And I think it's kind of to evoke, okay, you might be 10,000 miles away from your farm and in a claustrophobic death tube, you know, two miles under the water in a submarine, but it's named the USS Dallas. And that sounds like wide open country, so it's going to be okay. Well, there was a, 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 an attack sub. Los Angeles class sub that was uh, going to be commissioned as the USS Corpus Christi from the city of Corpus Christi, Texas. Strangely enough, the church, all throughout the city, all different expressions of the church, had a huge protest. And they said, look, we're honored that our city is going to be chosen to represent yada, 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 whatever. But we think there's something just a little incongruous with a nuclear attack sub being called the body of Christ. It just seems a little odd, like this is the body of Christ. Now, yes, the Lord is the judge, but not yet. That's not happened. He came to bring salvation. He came to bring life. He came to bring healing and wholeness. While there is yet time, he is going to set everything aright. Okay, but the whole, the, whole, the whole judgment thing's not there yet. Okay, so the whole revelation and fiery, apocalyptic, the, the, the rider on the white horse and sword, that's not the sort of Corpus Christi thing that was even in the equation. It was the body of Christ. What does that represent? Well, everyone knows what the body of Christ is about, right? Maybe, maybe not. But I think everyone can agree what the body of Christ is not about. And probably... Um, Sending 427 people to their death underwater might be strategically necessary, and I'm not going to argue that. Hard time saying that's the body of Christ. And so it was actually people who didn't even go to church that recognized this is just ridiculous to do this. It was kind of a, um, an oversight of, of working this through. Um, a colleague of mine was uh, helping somebody decide God's will for his life. He was an NROTC, wanted to be a, a naval aviator. And, um, and so the recruiter who, who was kind of guiding him through the program, um, you know, do you want to go into a combat position or do you want to go rescue? And he said, I've got to ask myself this. I'm a believer. And I have to ask if I get the order to, you know, to strafe a troop train or, you know, drop cluster bombs on a village, what would Jesus do? The recruiter was like... What? Would Jesus drop cluster bombs on a village? Really? You're going to ask that question? 
I'm an atheist, and I know Jesus wouldn't drop cluster bombs on a village. What, are you crazy? I mean, he just, it just, like, you say you're a Christian, and you would consider this as a possibility. Everybody knows what Jesus should and shouldn't be up to in this world, what Jesus should and shouldn't be doing. Everybody in Sunday streets really knows when we are about the city and the community more and more, or whether it's more and more about inside. People get that. People see that. And it's for this reason. Somebody want to get me some water? I, I seem to have... Um... As soon as I threw that, I thought there was an ant behind me, and it's going to be funny. But um, be that as it may, I'm going to kick this over as well. That'll be funny, too. Three parts. Three parts to who God wants us to be. There is our wholeness, which is our growth up into God. This is mission critical in life. I know I'm, I'm undermining my credibility by being dressed this way, but I hope you can see the point, because we have two choices. There is also our unity with one another. And as I said before, loving God is easy until you have to love somebody to do so. We love God by loving one another. And the room temperature for how much God wants to use us in here is this. We cannot and do not and will not love God any more than the person sitting in this room we love the least. The person we care least about in this room, that is the high watermark of our actual love for God. Now, I claim so much more, and this is what it is, and oh, yes, of course, but the reality is this. It's practical. That's why we do church together. And then finally, we can be loving each other, we could be loving God, but if we don't have a purpose, if we don't have a mission and a direction and fulfillment, we're going to rust out. Got to be in motion, got to be directed. Just like you can only steer a car in motion, same deal. So these are three general aspects of who has God made us as people. Why do we come here today? Um, in, in, um, today, I just want to look at very quickly our growth into wholeness. How many people have ever worked on an apartment, uh, painted something, replaced a door, a window, um, anything like that? Anyone? Anything. Slap coat of paint, whatever. Anybody do the toothpaste thing, moving out for the landlord with the holes? Anyone? Yeah, right on. Solid. Uh, all the landlords are just, yeah. Um, you think things are pretty, this is, the, this is where you live. And you could say, sure, I wish it was that. But after a while, this is just your home. This is life. This is where you inhabit. It starts to look like you. It's there. You don't see it anymore. But then you fix one thing. I'm going to paint that door frame. Okay, it's getting all smudged up. I got some paint. Landlord's coming by. Paint the door frame. Wow, that door. Yikes, I had no idea it was that bad. Okay, I got to replace the. Whoa, the wallpaper. Man, now that I got a new door and new paint, that wallpaper's looking really... That's not cool at all. And you don't, you don't see what is there until you see the contrast. Our growth into wholeness is just that. Real quick recap here. Salvation is basically this. Um, Lord tells us, and, and I'm going with the, the body of Christ metaphor here. Um, if you want to look at, I'll be referencing Colossians and Ephesians are basically the same letter written to two different churches. But Paul uses this understanding of the body because it's something that we get and it's something that Christ uses all the time. Okay? And he talks about growing up into the fullness of the body of Christ, our role, our place in the body of Christ. Paul is a servant doing what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Paul pouring his life out and serving one another as a fellow member of Christ. 
the whole body growing together and being united into whom Christ is the head and guides the direction of every single part. There's a wholeness, there's a unity, there's a reality. Now, God could have used any metaphor for his body, right? Or for his congregation or for his people. He could have said, let's be efficient like a beehive. We're, we're just going to get the gospel out there. We're going to be as, as spit polish, um, order and, and, and military position as a bee colony, which is super efficient, or, or an ant colony, hive mind. But he didn't say that because it's not about just being efficient. You know, he could have used metaphors for the most amazing, beautiful, wonderful, crazy experience ever. But that's great, and it ends, and, and life goes on. The reason he used body is because it's the most real thing that we understand in where we live, and it normalizes an awful lot. Bodies are clumsy. Bodies take time to grow. Bodies have scar tissue. Bodies have long trauma memories. Bodies need to be in contact with other bodies in order to better grow and to be alive. Um, bodies smell. Bodies are hard to control. Bodies are difficult to understand. Um, just when I got me figured out, now there's another person in the equation. Just when I got this figured out, there's others. It's always change, but it's where we live. Whether it's work, whether it's our neighbors, our in-laws, our outlaws, or, or friends, or whatever it is, we get body, either struggles with our own or relationships one to another. And he says that is the best way of understanding what church is and what we do. Think of us, each of us, as individual cells. In order for a body to really grow, to be healthy, to be purposeful, to be attractive, to be engaging, to be effective, the cells themselves must be healthy, the cells themselves has to be interconnected, and the cells have to be connected to the head that, that, that directs it and guides it. That's why we're here as the body of Christ. In the context of body and in the context of wholeness, Paul uses this metaphor. But let me go back to when I set this down originally. Um, quick recap of salvation. We're lost. We're gone. God made us for fellowship with him. It is absolute, just a perfect fit. We resonate. We come alive. Life in its fullness. We chose to go our own way. And uh, the, the, our protection so we wouldn't be taken out before a holy God is there's a separation. Our whole lives downstream from that, en masse, as humans, are characterized by loneliness, isolation, um, overcommitment, uh, uh, addiction, um, brokenness, hiding, covering, shame, uh, worshiping identity, confusing role in identity. So many, so many of these things that are just all over the place because of this disconnect from God, the one who made us, the one who loves us, the one who, who really lives through us. And so our whole lives have been spent understanding this is how things work for me. This is how I get things done. This is how I get my wants, which are the same as my needs, and it works. It says, Christ has transferred us from the domain of darkness, ruled by Satan, characterized by death, by envy, by selfishness, by hatred, by isolation. We lived there. We excelled there. We knew how to take care of business there. We were transferred and brought into the kingdom of light of his beloved son. And as I said many times now, it's the new spiritual identity that we're learning to walk in. We're learning to, live, learning to love in, but it's awkward and it's frail. And compared to how much I can do in my own strength, my own ability, and for my own purposes and control... This is really a, a pale comparison, and it's embarrassing and frail. But this is where God begins his great work with all of us. Because we don't need God when we can do it ourselves. And, and I hope we're enough. 
But when we come to realization that I'm at the end of myself and I absolutely need the one who not only made me, the one who knows what's best, but the one who has loved me in my rebellion, in my hatred, in my wandering, in my idolatry, and loved me more than I could ever know. The work that he does is this dance, is this transformation that everything, um, th- this wholeness of life would be ours in real time experience. In dealing with our wholeness and growth, there isn't any single aspect of our life that isn't precious to God, that isn't desired by God, that God doesn't long to use, that God doesn't desire to glorify himself through. And there isn't a single part of your life that isn't uniquely yours in the way you're experiencing handling it. The question is, is it unto wholeness... Or is it a settling and a tamping down and a compromising and dealing with all the demands of life? Because again, what terrifies me in seeing this over and over again, and I'm a common denominator here, we can do some good stuff. And it is good stuff. It really is. We can encourage one another. We can grow. We, we can worship. We can provide comfort and security and, 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 and familiarity. And, and this is good. But those are wants, not needs. See, the need is surrender. The need is intimacy, and that's terrifying. The need is to be able to be vulnerable and to say, this is where I really hurt. This is where I'm really broken. This is where I really need Christ in my life. This is where I'm weak. This is where I need a Savior. See, the the need that we have is to be open with one another. We're a long way there. The need is to be so focused on God and what he's doing and knowing he's going to take care of my needs, I don't have to be the Holy Spirit's best helper with everyone else. The, 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 The need is that a lost and broken world needs to see a Savior and plan A, and the only plan that God has is through us. There's no backup plan. These are needs. We need to have our heart transformed into the beautiful image of our Creator. We need to stop believing that who we are, who our identity is, what completes us, what gives us strength, how people will respect us, how we get people to see us a certain way, and then we can, you know, whatever. We need to see those as lies. It's fading. It's temporary at best. Our compromises, our solutions, our ways of dealing with this, sure they work. But is that what life's about? We could go to church every single week and have a great time and be encouraged and pumped and grow up in the Lord and die and, you know, that's that. But how much have we missed out on? Because where God does his best work is where he grows us beyond where we are. All of us, doesn't matter where we are, we're comfortable. Maybe it's just with a little bit. Maybe with it's an awful lot we're holding on to. We're comfortable. We do not have a reason to grow anymore. But what God wants to do through stretching us, through challenging us, through holding his truth up as the standard through which all of our lives have to align, this is where we all come into wholeness and we see the need for one another. We see the need for the Holy Spirit. We see the need that where God does his work is in between Sundays. When we say growing up into the fullness of Christ, this is the work only the Holy Spirit does. And as a church, we want to avail this in every possible way that we can, individually, in small groups, in large groups, through worship, through teaching, through everything that we do. The goal is, as Paul writes, both to the Colossians and the Ephesians, to present every single person mature, complete, whole in Christ. Holy loved, holy known, holy utilized, holy empowered, holy set free. 
Again, what we saw with the ministry of Christ was simply this. Those who were most comfortable and had most at stake with the status quo were most upset with Christ. Those that had nothing to lose and were like, God, I need you, I want you, I'm tired of trying to measure up, were most attracted to him. Expert in the law, a professional religious person was asking him, Lord, basically, what do I have to do so I get my ticket punched? What do I have to do to have the right answer? Am I impressing you with my knowledge? Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, because he was all about that, and he loved it. He said, look, God, am I on the right track? But he said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus gave him two. Um, In Mark, it was Jesus. In in Luke, it was uh, the man answering probably two different occasions because he taught this all the time. Love God with everything you are. Love people in the same way. Pretty simple. Everything else. But here's the kicker. Go and do this and you will live. Didn't say believe it. Didn't say no. It didn't say understand with it. Didn't say agree with it. Satan and the demons agree with all of that. They're not living. Okay, go and do this and you will live. So what does it mean in terms of our wholeness, in terms of worship, in terms of our transformation and growing up into God? Two greatest enemies. We settle because the rest of life just sort of pushes it down and chokes it out and it's too much to lift. And we all live there. I live there. Or it becomes... um, I become the one that determines what I need and what I don't need and what I want and what I don't. And I can't tell the difference between my needs and my wants because they feel an awful lot alike. And so we have an opportunity together. You see, we're going to go one of three different ways. We're going to go forward into what God has, which is vibrancy, which is love, which is grace, which is truth. Am I saying that hasn't been here before? Not at all. But am I saying that we am I saying we can't assume that because it's been here, it's always going to be here? That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, the gospel is the same because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But reaching people, people are moving targets. Society changes, culture changes, expectations, all of this. That is our mission, that is our purpose. Until we are more free, people aren't going to want freedom. Until we are more forgiving. People aren't going to hunger for forgiveness. People aren't going to see the possibility of receiving it. Until we are okay with our wounds and, and allowing God to heal us, people are going to be covering over their wounds. See, we've got to engage and connect just as much. Because you, you, can't, you can't fool kids. They, they, know, they know what's real, what's good, what's right. And it's the same way out there. People can... Um, People can sniff in sincerity or a project or this is what I hope to believe someday. Authentic, real, raw. That's what was so attractive about Christ. Okay, I said we had three directions we could go. We can go the the route of many churches which does some good things and possibly even some great things. But it's just the status quo of life. And what I will always end up doing, and it was my fear last week, is I take the power of God and I use it to prop up something in my life. A friend who was on an outreach in a mountain village, and they had a, a, a radio, and it was this really difficult tribal language, and they had the, um, the gospel all recorded on a, um, you know, like a beatbox. And uh, so they're going out there, and this guy couldn't find it anywhere. And he said, look, we're working with these people. We speak their language. We don't speak these people's language. Where's the, where's the um, 
you know, the recording, and they can at least hear the word why we're working here. And they're looking all over for it. And um, it turned out that his friend had used it to chalk the Jeep to keep it from rolling back down the hill. <laughs> the whole purpose of them being there was so that the people could hear the gospel. That's where the power was. That's the only thing that's going to make the difference in their life. And they took the very thing and the only thing where there is hope, where there is love, where there is any hope of change and grace and transformation, and they used it to do what anything else could have done, a rock, a log, a book, whatever. And I'm afraid I'm going to do the same thing with the resurrection power of God. There's only one thing that's going to transform my crappy attitude. There's only going to be one thing that's going to transform my selfish heart. There's only going to be one thing that helps me to quit looking at my immediate circumstances and to look beyond God to not what it is, what he wants it to become. Not who I've been, but who I am in him. And the only way any of that's going to happen is with the resurrection of power. Resurrection power of Christ has its proper position in our hearts and in our lives. And that's going to be front and center. And it will occur not today, not on Sundays. Okay? Um, We're going to be all about, in everything we do, teaching the Word of God straight up. Because we will always have differences of opinion when we look at what's important to you, what's important to me. And we'll differ according to needs and wants. But when we're all looking at Christ together, it it falls into place. The difference in going forward for me is this. Is this, uh, do I see the need in this? I need this. I don't want to do this. I need this, and it'll be good, and it'll be freeing. Um, this is difficult, yes, because it's valuable in, in moving ahead. So we can do a lot of great things. We can connect, and it'll be enough, and it'll be kind of generations in moving on. But we have to ask ourselves the question, and this is a question. Is this all that God wants Bethel to be? Is this why Bethel's remained in the city, made every effort? Is this why God strategically placed us here? Is this why God has made this one of the most diverse, unique, amazing bodies in the community for this time, for this place? Is this the sum total of what God wants, or is there much more for us individually in wholeness? Absolutely. For us collectively as a community, absolutely. And for this city, and see nothing yet in the power of God. See, otherwise, we're all going to slowly, maybe not on the outside, but on the inside, uh, when we don't have that unification, when we don't have that marching orders, when we're not striving and straining to something beyond us, where we don't have the answers, we don't know what's going to work now, we don't know what, where exactly and how, but we know that, and we're together, and we have the power of God in that and, 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 and um, around. Because if we're not there, we're not unified, we're not deliberate, it isn't costing us, we're going to slip back and all of us are going to be dressed like this. This really is what church should be about. It should really more cater toward me. And it's the default setting of all of our hearts. And that's why every single church needs to reinvent itself every single generation. Same gospel, same savior, but it's a, it's a, it's a different um, context in which to share and to embody that. And it's new each time so that we don't have the cheat sheet from the previous generation. There's no grandkids in the kingdom of God. Paul uses a metaphor for the body um, that puts it in perspective. Three years ago, I used this, and I'll close with this. I know, I know, never preach in in pink bunny slippers. They they told me that in seminary. I didn't believe them. Something about authority and... This really is comfortable, by the way. I mean, seriously, I, I, 
say what you will. And, 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 yeah, okay. Ephesians 3, there's, there's, like I said, please look at Ephesians. Um, it's just amazing how much body language is there. Ephesians 1.22, And God placed all things under His Christ's feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. The fullness of God is you and me. Not just you, not just me, you and me, his body. Wow. What are you doing, God? Paul continues, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in the inner person that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened so that you would know with all the people of God, what are the full dimensions of the love of God in every aspect, in every way, in every nook and cranny and corner of your life that you would experience, that you would do, that you would live the full love of God. And anything short of that is not God, is not wholeness, is not fullness. And we shouldn't settle. We're going to settle and compromise and negotiate in a whole lot of things in life and we need to. That's part of life. But who we are, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus we're here in this life for a blip in comparison with eternity. But what God does in us and through us is literally all of eternity will be different because of it, and because of our responses. There is a huge premium placed on this. And where God best grows, up, grows us up into wholeness is in the context of life. What we want to be about more and more is in our corporate meetings, in our smaller meetings, and one-on-one. Everything we do as a church body, how do we build up? How do we help you to know the fullness of God so that you can be fully used where God has you? See, often uh, churches and institutions and organizations, to be efficient, would do this. This is our vision. This is what we're about. And how can each of you fulfill the vision that we have for the church? And that's one way to do it, and it's good. But I think ultimately we have to say, this is what God has called all of us to do and to be, and how can I and and Lori and Eric and all of us on staff and deacons and elders and everybody here as part of the church help you, Isaac, to be all that God has called you to be, to be absolutely mission forward as the man of God in your heart and in your emotions and your relationships and training and everything. And that's long-term, and that's in many seasons in many ways. But 99% of that growth is not going to happen here in this room on Sunday morning. And so what we do here is for the rest of life. It's about Jesus. Is this a seeker-friendly church? No. Is it a believer-friendly church? No. It's a Christ-friendly church. And if we're getting that right, then it's going to be the others, absolutely. And in so in the best possible way. Okay, I promised a body thing here. And my body was over. Okay, Ephesians... Um, Ephesians 3. Pray out of his glorious riches may strengthen you with power. Sorry, that was my paraphrase. I got carried away. But that Christ, through faith, may dwell in your heart through him. Three years ago, I preached this. I'm going to close with it. Um, There's two ways of looking at church, Christianity, all of that. There's the abstract way. There is the, uh, the ultimate. There's some spiritual reality beyond that. And then there's the life that I live right now. And so, yeah, Christ is in us because, you know, it's Pentecost Sunday. This is where God took his spirit, 
His intimate fullness of himself and placed it in us as his plan for reaching the world. Okay? Um, But we could say, well, that happens mystically. That happens somehow. That happens magically in heaven. It'll all line up in heaven. I'm not sure. I'll do my best. And God's grace will cover it. And then I die and go to heaven. And so there's this sense of, yeah, there's a reality. And I read about perfection in Christ and fullness of heart and magnifying the Lord and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But really, seriously... Most people, most Christians long for eternity who are bored on a Sunday morning. You know, we we say it's going to be this and it's abstract. but, But what does that even look like? The other way is what Paul's getting at here of saying it's real, it's visceral. Where do you live? Where do you cry? Where do you rejoice? That's where Christ is. And so he uses the metaphor of Christ dwelling in our hearts. But the word dwell... Bad translation. The word isn't he dwells in our hearts. He resides there. I'm a Christian because I have the Holy Spirit in me. Better translation, he makes himself at home in us. He makes himself comfortable in us. So it's like we're an apartment building. He moves in as the tenant. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's renting it. And there's all sorts of the owner's furniture there and, and crazy wallpaper and all sorts of stuff. And he's kind of there. He starts rearranging things. Do we allow him? Do we allow him to move furniture? Do we allow him to repaint rooms? We notice that our apartment has so many doors, so many locks, so many dark areas. Do we allow him to start opening doors? Do we allow him to start taking the doors off, making us a studio apartment? That's wholeness, where it's all connected. It's all interconnected. We are one person, because that's who God loves. And he wants to know the most of us and love the most of us and love through the most of us possible. And so the way of looking at our wholeness and our growth, we could say it happens at the event level. It happens mystically and spiritually. And there's an element and a necessary dimension to that. And I will do these things and do these events. And um, it's enough. And God's going to take care of it. And that's sort of a standard way of abstracting this. But I think how God intended it and why he used the illustration of a body and why he chose to inhabit a frail smelly, awkward, embarrassing body is because he wants to meet us exactly where we are, not beckon us to where we should be. And he meets us here. So he moves in as we are with, with our porn collection, with our weed farm, with um, you know, everything locked away and, and all this stuff in our, the, the rooms of the hearts of our house. And he's okay with that. We invite him in. Now he starts to make changes. And now all, every area of our life, of our emotions, of our values, of our priorities, of our relationships, engagement, what does it for us? What am I working for? All of this is going to be affected. But it's not being affected from the outside. I read about this. Oh, I guess I should do it. I, I, can't, I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. So I'll have to stop that. External. It is a lover of our souls who has longed to take up residence here, who's been wanting to get into this neighborhood forever and, and, and is and is living here and couldn't be happier. But there's just a lot of jacked up furniture and a lot of really dangerous things in there that he needs to clean up. When Christ is comfortable with our lives, isn't that a better way of looking at I've got to be comfortable and come around to what Christ is? When it happens from the inside out, though, it's organic. It's it's every day. It's immediate. It's personal. It's permanent. But what that means is this. All of us are going to be uncomfortable. None of us are going to arrive. We're like sharks. If we stop moving, we're going to die. Um, We're going to continue to stretch. We're going to continue to grow. But it is going to be worth it. Another kid in the family is difficult, right? 
It's absolutely worth it. And, and so looking ahead the next three weeks, generally speaking, wholeness, wholeness in God, community together. What would it look like to attend a place where we could be known? People care about us. People come up and see in details of our lives where much church life is, happens on the weekdays and doing social things and projects together and rallying around people who are hurting, who are connecting, where every need is met, not because of just an efficient system, but because there's a level of trust and disclosure. I can be me. It's okay not to be okay. And I have a home here and I'm accepted and I'm loved. What would it look like to encourage and to have and to lay hold of an abiding relationship with God that absolutely every aspect is challenged and affected and and, and affirmed and changed and and worked through where everything is, is lit up for God? Everything can be a means of glorifying Him, engaging Him. And I don't have to say, well, this is the God part of my life and this is just sort of neutral and this is that. Every single thing, everything, Freed up, set free, energized, lit up. Look around. Turn rubberneck all the way around. Come on, stretch. Something stretch here. Look around. Do you believe what I just read? Two things. Last thing I just read, that for those who know Christ, Christ is making, present tense, making himself at home in your heart. And that collectively, all of us, This is how Christ chose to make known His power, His presence, His love, His word, His mission in this world. This is the body of Christ. Everybody has artwork and everybody envisions a Christ in their own, you know, it looks like them and and, and all of that. But what people see is the fifth gospel. Remember? Five gospels? Help me out. Which ones? Guys, really. Start out with the first one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and and us. Yeah, us. And most people really already had the chance to read one gospel. Okay? God has chosen us right here, right now, out of all the people. Because he loves us and delights in us. Because he's looking forward to crazy adventures and using us. Because he's looking forward to more brokenness, more intimacy, more truth, more trust. It's going to be messy and ugly. Any families are. But that we get to do this. That this is exciting. That wherever we are, whatever the state is, it is not enough. It could not be enough. Because what we have to say is, if this is what church is about, and we come, we go, and we do, and whatnot, this is the fullness of the body of Christ. And I just don't believe that. I just don't believe the fullness of the Lord of all creation who made this, the one who redeemed us, who's chased us into all the scary places we've gone and and hid and, and fought him. That glory, that attractiveness, that love, that wholeness, that where have you been all my life, that peace, that shalom, that is being right now reflected through all of us. This is the challenge. We're only as holy as we want to be. God has provided absolutely everything in his church. That means he has placed in the people around you what you need. That he would do his good and perfect work. That he would set your heart more free. That you would know more of him. That he has placed in the church in general people with all sorts of different uh, perspectives and things that they can do. That we could see more of the body together. And he's underwritten this with his Holy Spirit.
That it's not just a matter of opinion or will or, 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 or I hope we got this right or we'll try as hard as we can. But that we are absolutely guaranteed we're leaning hard into God. We're stretching beyond ourselves. We are seeking Him and doing so more recklessly and boldly, not because we're letting go of anything, but because we recognize that's a foundation and a legacy that the time is now for us to make San Francisco famous for Jesus Christ. Are we going to be part of that? That is not going to happen until we make Jesus Christ manifest in our unity. And that is not going to happen until we make Jesus Christ so much a part of or so at home in our lives, in our attitudes, in our desires. There's such freedom. There's such creativity. Look around. Look at the diversity. Look at the possibility. Look at all the lives that are represented by all the families and friends and workmates and neighbors. We've got a huge chunk of the city of people that God wants to reach out to connected already. There is absolutely amazing, reckless, bold things that God is calling each and every one of us to. Things that will excite you. Things that will light you up. Things that will terrify you. I don't know what those are. I'm not here to tell you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But the job is how to focus us all together on the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That there wouldn't be any area of our life that is unattended, unaffected, unchanged. That is unshaken. And it will be worth it. That we as a community would keep striving for transparency and better communication and better connection and sharing lives together. That's where God grows us best. We love God by loving others. We submit to God by submitting to others. We follow God by following others. And in doing so, that is the most powerful witness of a God who is near, a God who is present, a God who is engaged in the same pain, in the same lives, in the same hurt and brokenness. But it's all the difference in the world. Because it's not just our collective solutions. It's not just our programs. It's not just what we can do in this time and this place. But it's allowing the absolute resurrection power of the Holy Spirit to flow through and among and in each and every single person. There's not much to commend me to people. That's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that by now. It took a while, but what are you going to do? Um, but Christ. Man, I don't want to get in the way of people seeing Christ. I don't want to get in the way of me seeing Christ. And that's where I need you and you need me. So we go forward together into the unknown with the God that we know, the God that loves us, the God that calls us, the God that compels us, the one who has gone, gone forward and prepared the way. Or we run a nice church, which is good and does a lot of things, is very safe, very familiar, doesn't change much, and we're all going to start dressing like this. <laughs> it'll be cool, it'll be comfortable, it'll be familiar. It'll be a form of religion denying its godliness. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of love of power, of self-discipline, that we could be focused in the intensity of His love that others would see and likewise be saved. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you use, obviously with me, the foolish things of this world, that the power would be seen coming from you. It's not my take. It's your word. It's not just my experience. It's your spirit. And it's not just my hope, it is your heart. I pray for each and every one of us, Lord. We would look forward from our lives right here, right now, today, 
through the familiar, through what we know is going to happen, through the weekend and through week out, through what is just provoking us, through the thing we don't know we're going to deal with, to look through to eternity, to what you've called us to be. What is true power? What does it mean to be a man or a woman of God? What does it mean to have a life that is congruent, that is whole, that is connected, that is powerful, that is satisfying and fulfilling, not because of the things we are doing, but because of the person we're serving and your life flowing through us. I know, Lord God, that even some of the greatest and most wonderful things are not this wellspring of living water which you promised to flow through each of us. May none of us settle, God, for what you have for us individually and collectively for anything less than the wellspring of living water. And let none of us bottle up this living water flowing within us and let it just you know, become our own private swimming pool. But let it flow out to others, Lord, that you would bless, you would save, you would continue to grow and overwhelm and transform in the process. We thank you for your love. We thank you that there's no, nothing we can do to make you love us less or more. And so we accept, Lord. We ask a free hand with you uh, transforming us. And that you would continue to surprise, amaze, delight. Lead us on in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as a, as a body, as a church, let's stand up together as we worship. One more time.
I hope you all heard me and heard my heart. The motivation behind this was one and one only, and it's me. I know my heart. I know the gravity of it. I know my propensity to settle. It is enough. It's enough just to do this. There's too much. It's overwhelming. I also know um, my um, own propensity to confuse needs and wants and, and to want to make it, you know, it's hard for me to see past me. And I see these two of just getting in the way of all God wants to do. Pray that God would take me out before I'd ever allow that to happen. Fortunately, hold on. He's, he's very redeeming and merciful and gracious. So it might have me to kick around a bit longer. But, but I see what God has called us to and the two greatest things that get in the way. And I see it for me. And I want to be accountable to you if, if I am not growing and continuing to press on. If I am not living what I'm preaching, if I'm not working this out, call me out because I need you in this. I, I want this and I will settle and I will, set, I will allow this church to settle and, and I will, will get into it's more about wants than needs. And, and none of those are acceptable. So, so call me out. We're all in this together that it's about God. It's about Christ. It's about the very best Christ in us, Christ among us, and Christ through us. I'd like to invite our prayer counselors down. If there's anything that you would like prayer for, for yourself or anyone uh, close to you. Um, we also have through those doors there, if you'd like to find out more, how you can get perhaps a bathrobe or slippers or other ways to get involved. We'll in, be auctioning those off at the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, they're great for it's, you. Wax car with us or something. Um, we have the living room through there. And on those couches, people love to talk to you more about just how to connect, how to engage. Remember, we have a cafe right now. I promise to change so you'll be able to eat. And it's Mexican Cafe. It all goes to support missions. It's just a great, great thing. Again, remember to sign up. Banquet, all sorts of stuff going on back there. Um, take God very seriously. That's why I don't have to take myself too seriously. Um, and, and I hope you see that as well. Go to do and to be His will. See you next week.